I do love a good stat. Hello and welcome to Real Versus Feel, netball numbers that matter, a podcast with me, freelance journalist Erin Dullahunty and Dr Aaron Fox, a lecturer in applied sports science and research methods at Deakin University. In this weekly show, we align what it feels like happened in the latest round of Super Netball over the weekend to what the stats, that's the real, tell us. Of course, we wouldn't be here without our major sponsor, All In One Property. If you've purchased property, you know it involves a tonne of paperwork and stress. You've got to sort out conveyancing, finance and insurance. And that's if it's a simple deal. All In One Property can help handle every step or just one. Visit allinoneprop.com to learn more. I'd like to acknowledge that I'm on the lands of the Yorta people in Echuca and Aaron is on Wadawurrung land in Geelong. We pay our respects to elders past and present. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Well, Aaron, this was a bit of a strange and emotional round, I think, wasn't it? The We saw tears on the Collingwood bench after a week of tumult for them. We saw a scoring mix-up in the Adelaide versus Fever clash. And then I, the Firebirds and the Swifts, didn't just win, but as from where I sit, you know, from where I sit, they won really well and probably better than what a lot of people might have predicted before the round. Yeah, well, not what I predicted, some <laughs> unexpected results. And I, I mean, I think we'll get to that later in the show. Um, but yeah, a, a bit of a strange weekend all round. It was. Why don't you start our statistical rundown this week with the opening match between Lightning and Collingwood? Well, this one, you know, the Lightning won 66 to 62. And um, there were some interesting stats out of this one. The Lightning had their equal highest score of 66. Uh, the fourth quarter accuracy was 100% for the Lightning, which um, is always helpful. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't the, hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the main difference statistically in this match was the super shots and the power five period. Um Across the board, things are pretty even. But yep. when you look at the super shots, the Lightning was six of nine. The Magpies yeah. were one of six. Yep. In the Power Five periods, the Lightning won those 26 to 21. And yeah, it was the real difference in this match, which, um, you know, it was surprising. You thought the Lightning might have outplayed the Magpies a little bit more than that, but they got away with the win. Uh, and now to maybe the first surprise of the weekend, depending on how you looked at it, the Thunderbirds versus Fever. Yeah, well, as we were just discussing off air, this game will probably be remembered for that scoring snafu at the end. Obviously, there was two different scores being displayed inside um, SA Netball Stadium. But ultimately, when it was all said and done, it was a one-goal loss for the West Coast Fever going down 54-53. to 53. Just that, that was despite Fever leading by eight at quarter time. I think plenty of us sitting at home probably thought, oh, this is going to be another... Um, you know, not a rout, but they were probably going to win comfortably. But the Thunderbirds made their way back into the game and they stole the lead for the first time inside the last few minutes, uh, thanks mainly to MVP Eleanor Cardwell and those my favourite things, super shots. Um, statistically, the things that stood out, um, our good friend Michael Hutchinson um, shared some stats with us. Um, the th- that's the first time the Thunderbirds have beaten Fever in Adelaide since round one in 2019. So the home fans got a bit of a treat there. As I mentioned in the little wrap there, the Thunderbirds led this game for three minutes and 23 seconds, which is 
perfectly fine when it's the last three and a half minutes. Um, Shamira Sterling started slowly by her own lofty standards, I guess we could say, but she ended up with nine gains, seven deflections and two rebounds. The other thing that the two other things that jump off, which we're we're going to dig into um, later on in the show, was Courtney Bruce getting twenty four total penalties, and the Fever only scoring fifty three goals. I think if you turned this on, you might have thought that there'd been an error in the scorekeeping for them to be so low, but we will go into that in further detail later. Now you're going to tell us about the Swifts Vixens matchup, which for me was the biggest surprise, but perhaps I'm guilty of underestimating the New South Wales Swifts. In fact, I'm sure I am. I'm guilty of that too. Okay. I think some <laughs> of our Swifts fan listeners might not be as surprised that they came away with a 70 to 62 uh, victory over the Vixens, but they're, you know, quietly um, plugging away and cementing themselves at the top of the ladder. Helen Housby, another great game for her. She's making a kind of subtle run for MVP, you know, like talked about Sterling and Fowler a lot this year, but yeah. she's you know, making a little bit of a run. had many bad games, yeah. Yeah, um, and so this broke the Vixens' winning streak at John Kane Arena, um, and... I think there's been a little bit of talk about the Shrell McMahon <laughs> statue magic. Um, Sadly, it's, it's broken, it seems. It's gone. <laughs> it's it's no longer exists. Um, the Vixens, unsurprisingly, less than 10 games. They only there had eight for the match, mm-hmm. and we know they lose when that happens. But this was really compounded by their gain-to-goal percentage of only 63%, right? Low gains, low conversion, mm-hmm. uncharacteristic of them. Yep. Um, and, you know, they had 10 missed goal turnovers themselves the Vixens to the Swiss too. And I think it was only a few weeks ago we were talking about how good Kumwenda was in this area yes. rebounding, yeah. um, but it, it didn't really happen in this game. And, yeah, so a, a little bit to work on for the Vixens come finals time if they meet the Swiss again. Uh, and now back to you, Aaron, for the last game, one that maybe doesn't have that many implications on the top of the ladder, but was an interesting result nonetheless. Yeah, again, probably not one that many had in their tips. The Firebirds got their first away win of the season here. Um, They really just outplayed the Giants in the end to, to win 68 to 50. Remy Carmo um, starred at keeper. She had nine gains, five intercepts. And of course, um, fittingly, I guess in First Nations around, Donnell Wallum really shone again, especially in the last quarter, shooting 24 ones, which again, we'll touch on later. So in that last quarter, the the quarter score was 24 to 12. So they really put the foot down, which I'm sure pleased Beck Bully. Um, I've mentioned Carmo's performance. I think she had the most intercepts this round with five. And I also need to point out here that Remy was the only non-shooter to win the MVP award this round. So that made my heart sing in the very last game. Laura Dunkley's um, stats stood out to me too. She had a round high 37 feeds and 24 goal assists. Um, And I I quickly flicked you a message and said, that's got to be her best game all year. It's definitely probably, you know, on a par with, you know, since round three and round eight, when she's had a similar numbers, obviously being in a losing team, she doesn't tend to be up there as much. So, and then there was also um, 33 possession changes by the Giants, which was another notable one and probably 
uh, responsible for the frustration that was pretty clear on Julie Fitzgerald's face at different times of this How can you tell? game. Oh, I don't see. <laughs> I, I don't believe in the theory that you can't read Julie. I think it's at times it, it is there, um, but. It's maybe it's a little bit more subtle than other coaches. I mean, if it was going to be there, it would have been this game. Yes, and perhaps perhaps she went to her bench a little bit late. I think there was lots of Giants fans hoping they might have seen Matisse Leatherborough sooner or, or different players come into the court rather than leaving it a little bit late. But um, So we've already talked about this um, with the fever, losing to the Thunderbirds by a goal, whether you know the scoring was right or whether it was wrong. But let's look at... I'm going to call it Fever's one goal demon because at what point does losing by one goal become a habit, Aaron? It's not, it's, you know, once he's foolish and all of that. Dan's Ryan's sides have now lost four of their last six and all of those losses have been by a solitary goal. Um, So to start with Aaron, I mean, how many times has this happened? It feels like pretty unprecedented territory that you know a side is losing by such close margins yeah we're getting to the sort of record unprecedented territory stage <laughs> love um, that word <laughs> yeah i mean over the history of anz championships and super netball the proportion of one goal matches mm-hmm. is just under 10 percent. so about one in every 10 games we're going to see decided by one goal mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned there that the Fever have lost four games this year by one goal, and that's actually equals the most of any team within a season. Yeah. Uh, the Swifts back in 2009 had four for the entire year. So if the Fever encounter another one-goal loss, you know it's going to be the most uh, of a team's ever had in a year. And the next closest was the Firebirds in 2018 with three one-goal losses. So that's how we're getting this unprecedented territory okay, with the I, Fever. I think Dan Ryan might have a stroke if it happens again, to be honest, mm. with only a couple of games left. It's interesting, though, you say about the Swifts back in 2009 as, as well, because I know that they weren't winning too many games at that time. But what is the – and this is probably a silly question – but what is the statistical chance of Fever doing this? Like how likely is it? I mean, it's a tricky thing to do, right? Determining the statistical probability is difficult given there are so many things that impact match results like team strengths, where you're playing, who you're playing, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so please dump a whole <laughs> okay. pile of salt on what I'm about to say. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, and like we've talked, you know, it's about a 10% chance of a one-goal loss. And so if we yep. assume that these matches are like independent of one another, which they're absolutely not, um, and assume that the general probability of one goal losses sits at around 10%, yeah. then the probability of four one goal losses, you know, you could calculate that at yep. around 0.01%, right? Mm-hmm. And five one goal losses would be more around like 0.001%, <laughs> right? And so this is why I'm saying take with a grain of salt because yep. that is not the probability of what's happening to the fever because that is okay. very, very uh, outlandish. Yep. Um, and so... You know, it's it's far too simplistic for your okay. statistical probabilities. Okay. But it's a fun thing to calculate, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and say that this is how rare it is to happen to the fever. Yeah, I mean, I'll accept your caveat, of course, but it's good to know that the real matches the feel, right? This can't be something, this is something well, quite well, extraordinary I mean, yeah. that's happening. No team has ever lost yeah. five matches in a season by one goal. So if it happens to the fever, like, yeah. it, it is 
you know, a new thing. And then I'm, if it happens in the grand final, you know, I'm going to ask you to do all of these calculations again so we can work out what is the chances of losing four by a goal and then losing a grand final by a goal in the same season. Oh, we need more yeah, decimal points. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> now, next up on a more positive note, I guess, is um, Donna Wallam's dominance um, this round. It was a really deadly performance in First Nations round, as I mentioned off the top. She shot 24 in the last quarter of the Firebirds. When you and I were working on um, our notes for this podcast, you actually came back to me and said, "Uh, I presume that you mean in the last, because do you know what? 24 goals, you could actually be pretty happy with that as a goaler, particularly if you're a goal attack. So they were all ones. She didn't cheat. She didn't artificially inflate inflate her numbers with super shots. (laughs) I mean, cheat is an interesting word. In my, in my eyes. I mean, again, this is probably similar to the last one. It's got to be, it's, it has to be the highest for an individual shooter. Uh, for, for a team, I don't know, you tell me. Um, where does it sit, 24? I mean, I definitely thought it was going to be the highest this year, which it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought there might be some other kind of unique performances out there, but uh, like that reflect this, but there actually aren't. This is okay. the most made goals in a quarter, mm-hmm. um, you know, all time wow. based on what I've seen. Yeah, amazing. Um, you know, the next highest this year is 20, which mm-hmm. were uh, Donna Wellam also did yep. uh, and Shimona Nelson has also achieved. Um, and if you look at the top number of goals scored within a quarter this year, Wallen actually has five of the top seven performances for this year within quarters. And, you know, Shimona Nelson's 20 and 19 by Fowler are the other ones that make up this top seven. So she's mm-hmm. had some pretty solid corner uh, quarters. The yep. Firebirds are obviously leaning on her. So um, much. Gosh, you, you, you shudder to think what where, what could happen if she wasn't there this year. They can't get much yeah. lower on the ladder. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so if we broaden this out, you know, we talked a little bit about this year, but, you know, all time across ANZ championships mm-hmm. and um, Super Netball, mm-hmm. uh, I bet you think that the next person highest is Fowler, Yes, right? of course. It is. Yep. <laughs> um, 22 goals in a quarter. Fowler yep. did in 2018. But yep. Caitlin Bassett also achieved this in 2011. Uh, and maybe the interesting thing about both of these performances, so you can put Wallums, Fowlers and Bassett's in the same category because mm-hmm. they were all in the last quarter of the match. Hmm. Um, so, you know, teams may be leaning on their goal shooter at the very end of the game heavily. Um, and, and I guess the last thing to add to this, you mentioned she didn't cheat with <laughs> super shots, right? I love thanks, um, thanks for reiterating that, Yes. <laughs> even with that, so the 24, that, Wallen put up on the scoreboard yep. Yep. is also the highest scoreboard impact in a quarter. Right. Even so, with and, the and super next, shot. Yeah, even with super shots. The next most is 22, and that's by Janelle Fowler in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was included one super shot from Fowler there. So it's, yeah, the, I guess you felt that this was a really big performance from Wallum in that fourth quarter and it absolutely is supported by the stats there. It's it's interesting too. I think it probably speaks to, and we talk about traditional netball or, or going back to your roots and things like that. You can be the most efficient way to goal 
in when you're under pressure, when you're trying to reel in a margin for, for all of the things that can be able to be done, if you've got a post-up shooter who you can turn around and you can hit, you know, Laura Langman turning around with the ball and seeing Caitlin Bassett under the ring or whoever it might be. So I guess it does actually make sense that it is in those last quarters that they're able to do that. But I think for the Firebirds, it was made sort of all the more impressive that they didn't sort of sit back and just think, oh, we've got this game in the bag. They really were able to to finish it off. And Beck Bully spoke after the game and she said the last couple of rounds of this season, that's what she wants her team to do. Don't take the foot off. Don't, you know, don't get easy. Let's try and finish off the season as hard as we can. When you're sitting second bottom, I guess you've got to find that motivation there. But staying on the West Coast fever, that brings us to our third subject um, of the episode, which I'm calling plenty of penalties. Dan Ryan talked about the 89 penalties that his side had in that one goal loss to the Thunderbirds. And it got me thinking about the most penalised sides in the league. I think people probably tend to think there's certain teams and I would suggest Collingwood and probably Fever would, you know, would be up there. But I'm wondering if the stats actually back that up. So maybe we could start with a sort of average penalty count like across time so we have a bit of a framework I guess yeah it's a good reference point to start with and you know you got to go back a little bit actually because the most penalized team on average over ANZ championship super netball history is the mystics Hmm. uh, and they were sitting at 66.6 penalties per game on average Average. okay yep yeah number two you've got the firebirds at 64.7 per game the Thunderbirds at number three mm-hmm. at 64 per game. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the Fever at number four at 62.4 penalties per game. Mm-hmm. And so remember, this is like all over time. every year these teams have played. Yep. yep. The least penalised team on average all time is the Lightning at 52 per game. They're mm-hmm. the lowest mm-hmm. across history. Yeah, well, that's obviously the Carla Pretorius effect, I guess. What if mm. we look season by season? I think this is uh, more interesting, right? Because mm-hmm. you can think about the players yeah. that the teams had within these seasons, right? Yeah. And it gives you a bit more to to think about. Uh, at the top of the list per year, the Thunderbirds of 2015 lead this, and they averaged that year 75.4 penalties per game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cleanest team within a season was actually the Lightning in 2020 with only 38.1 penalties per game that year, which is quite low compared to some of the numbers we've been talking about on average. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found this interesting that um, when you split by season, you actually have to go all the way down to 72nd on the list mm-hmm. before you get to a team from 2023. So, you know, perhaps teams have clamped down on penalties a bit this year or um, some earlier or, yeah, earlier years of, of the competition were a little bit more penalty heavy. Yeah, interesting. Or is it about speed or umpiring or all of the above? So those of us that are thinking we're seeing more contact and it's more, you know, more physical and more whistle, that doesn't necessarily bear out, which is interesting. Can you zoom in on this season for me? Because obviously where you're not performing well, it's pretty logical to say, well, you're going to be towards the top for the penalties because you're constantly in chase position. So, Mm. yeah. Yeah, you were right with the Magpies. They're leading average penalties per game this year at Mm -hmm. Um, 60.1. But maybe a little bit wrong about the fever. The Vixens are actually the next most at 58.3 per Mm -hmm. game. Mm -hmm. 
And then you've got the Firebirds at number three with 55.7 per game. Um, and, and I mean, it's not a big jump in average penalties to go down to where the Fever are, but they're yeah, ranked okay. sixth out of eight on the list at 54.6 per game. So that's like you know, only one penalty less than the the Firebirds who are up at number right. three okay. for penalties. So tight margins. In that, yeah. yeah, in that middle, um, it, it's not a huge jump. But right down the bottom underneath the Fever are the Thunderbirds and Lightning. They're the least penalised team per game this year. And so if we go back to how this started, you were talking about Dan Ryan mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. like being a little bit upset mm-hmm. about these 89 penalties. Mm-hmm. And it's probably because it's a bit jarring as a coach. Yeah. This is plus 35 above yeah. their average for the season, right? So yeah. much more than they would expect yeah. within an average game. Yeah, of course. And it'd be interesting to know whether too they actually have a bit of a benchmark either for their players or for their defenders or as a, as a team and he would track that across the game, I would imagine. But um, my East Coast bias must be showing if I thought that fever were going to be, were going to be up there. So this one was really just an outlier, as you say, for the fever. Yeah, like their highest recorded so far this year and by big margin. The next most they had in a game this year has been the 66. Yeah, so that's huge. Yeah. 23 above yeah. their previous high. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, to still put this into context over history, it pale, the 89 pales in comparison to the efforts of some <laughs> other teams. Right. Uh, the highest we've ever seen was the Firebirds in round 10 of 2013 with 104 yeah. penalties in a game. Uh, and there are matches this year that we've seen less than that from both teams. So that's Combined. a good effort from the Absolutely. Firebirds. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the Steel, back in a 2016 match, this is the lowest, only recorded 24 penalties in a game. So wow. I mean, that's that pretty impressive. Probably because Janiel Fowler was too busy with the ball shooting for the entire game. Uh, probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> no offensive contacts happening there. <laughs> Now we have a special offer from our major sponsor, All-in-One Property. Real versus Field listeners know by now that All-in-One Property can help home buyers with conveyancing, loans, property law and insurance. They can link you in with a bunch of property services so you can have one point of contact instead of many when purchasing a place. And the best bit is you can use all the services or just some. It's a one-stop shop for when you're buying a home, helping you handle the conveyancing, finance, insurance and property law paperwork, reducing stress and saving time. And for a limited time, if you reach out to All-in-One Property and mention the podcast, you'll receive 10% off conveyancing services. Visit allinoneprop.com or call 03-99-824491 to discover how you can benefit from this streamlined property transfer process. Now it's time for Fox Answers the Fans. And we've got one here from Izzy Netball from Twitter. So she wants to know where... She asks, where does Fever's overall score, which we've just touched on, 53, and the quarter scores, which were 20, 11, 10, and 12, in that loss to the Thunderbirds, rank overall for them in Super Netball, basically the Fowler years, I guess. Um, And then, yeah, what about Fowler's 42? Um, Where does that kind of sit in the Parthenon of her performances? Mm. All right, let's start with um, the the total score for the team, right? Yep. And I think as we might have touched on earlier, the yep. 53 is the Fever's lowest total since the Super Shot was introduced in 2020. So over the last few years, it's pretty surprising to see them scoring this low. Very surprising. With, 
With regard to Super Netball, so that's from 2017 onwards, I believe, um, it's really interesting and we'll get to why this is not surprising, mm-hmm. but when you look at their, if, if you sort of rank their scores from, from lowest to highest, there's this 2017 year where 13 of the lowest 15 fever scores in Super Netball came in 2017. Hmm. Now, I there might have been some personnel changes in 2018 Possibly. in the shooting they, they might have they might have got a very 196 centimeter jamaican the next year yeah yeah so i think fowler started playing in 2018 for yep. the fever right and yep. so it's not maybe not surprising to see their lowest scores in super netball a lot of them come from 2017 yeah um so the only scores lower than the 53 from the weekend since 2018 when fowler started playing for the fever right. was a match against the Swifts in round 10 of 2019 where they okay. scored 49. Okay. Uh, and Fowler only scored 43 in this match. So it was close uh, run thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the next week in round 11 of 2019 against the Vixens, they scored 52 and Fowler scored 44 for this match. So there was mm. this patch of two games back in 2019. Um, she was carrying an injury or something. Maybe. I don't know yeah. what the what the go was, but... Yep. Um, then what we saw on the weekend is kind of in a similar um, sort of area to this. And yep. it, it's interesting, like when the fever in this, you know, high 40s, low 50s, mm-hmm. fa- that's where Fowler's, you know, scoring low 40s mm-hmm. for goals. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's what's happen- what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, that's a, that was a really good example of something we were sort of hoping to touch on, but we can sort of flesh out some more of the statistics um, as they, yeah, as they keep coming. Now you want to, we're going to ignore 2017 out of those statistics and just stick with 2008. Okay, Aaron? Mm. When we <laughs> dig into the, the quarter by quarter scoring, yeah, yep. let's ignore 2017 because I think a lot of the low yep. ones are going to come from yep, there. Yep, yep, as you said, yep. And, and I'm, I'm going to focus less on the total score for the quarters and more the amount of goals they've made because that's where it gets really interesting here that in their match over the weekend they had two quarters where they only made nine shots Uh, and this is their equal second lowest total of goals made in a quarter over the years foul has been at fever and you got to remember this happened in two quarters within one game Mm. right so two of their lowest scoring quarters ever within a game Hmm. um and the other quarter in this match where they made 10 goals is like their equal third lowest total made goals across these years. So they've had three quarters within a single match that are like right at the bottom of their quarter by quarter scoring totals since Fowler's been playing for them. Yeah. Um, and, and the question did also ask about Fowler's goal tally over these years. Yeah, yep. Um, you know, the 42 she made is her equal third lowest total while at the Fever. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a match in round three of 2018, mm-hmm. maybe when she was just warming up with the fever, where she yeah, scored early. Yep. Yeah, early. 39 goals, but she missed an incredible five shots in this match. Like, outrageous. <laughs> Lucky she held onto a contract. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then the 2021 preliminary final lost to the Giants. Um, she made 41 goals, but this was a scoreboard total of 45 because yep. it included four of six super shots, which is pretty... She made four super shots in the prelim. Well, yeah, made four, took six, which is kind of unheard of I need to her. file that away for netball trivia somewhere along mm. the line. That's fascinating. Yeah. But, I mean, the overall answer to this question, right, is it's very, it's very much an anomaly for, mm. for the fever. Mm. So maybe don't expect it to happen again next week. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for that, Izzy. We really enjoyed that question. And please keep your Fox Answers the Fans questions coming using the real VFeel hashtag on your favourite social media platform. You can you can also um, DM us on, on our Instagram account as well if you like. Now, Erin, I think grand final tickets went on sale this week. I don't know yes. whether you snapped up anything. I'll be uh, there but... courtside. I don't need to buy a ticket, Erin. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> um, so... I mean, I've seen a lot of chatter about, uh, you know, people buying tickets and, and scrapping to get tickets and yeah. it sort of links in with what you want to talk about with Dabble Bluntly this week. Yeah, it does. I mean, I know there's been a lot of negative news this Super Netball season. It's probably the most controversial and contentious season that we've ever had. But I wanted to take a moment to talk about the flip side, and that is crowd numbers. The start of the season, I wrote about the horrible crowds that Collingwood was attracting, sometimes as few as, as few as, you know, sort of just over a thousand fans at John Kane Arena where they play. And while sadly that trend uh, seems to be continuing as the season has unfolded, there's also good news on the crowd front. Across the rest of the league, we're seeing clubs packing out their stadiums, whether it's close to 10,000 people at RAC Arena, of course, the home of the West Coast Fever in Perth, or John, K- or John Kane Arena when the Vixens play a home game. I mean, the Adelaide Thunderbirds have had some sellouts at their stadium as well. Um, and I mean, as a total afterthought um, after the round just gone, I reached out to the Vixens and asked them about their crowd figure for their when they hosted the Swifts at the weekend. And it was more than 8,200. Uh, and then a press release pinged into my inbox a few days ago about the Swifts home game against the Giants at Ken Rosewell Arena this coming round. And it's a sellout. That means close to 10,000 fans will pack out the stands for that game, which is also the Swifts First Nations round match. And the release also noted that if any tickets become available in the coming days, they're going to make them available but um, via Ticketmaster, which I really liked as well. Swifts exec manager, um, Kath Tetley, said, you know, selling out demonstrates the quality of Super Netball, and I hate this phrase, but it's true, as a product um, and the type of netball that the Swifts are playing at the moment. So while, yes, there are plenty of problems to go around this season, it's not all doom and gloom happily. And as you just said, we've seen the release of the grand final tickets as well. I'm going to follow up and find out how they're tracking at the moment. But if the anecdotal evidence is met with reality, they've been you know snapped up pretty quickly. Obviously, fans knowing exactly when it's going to be and where it's going to be is of a huge benefit to the league. So that's my mm, Della Bluntly this week. Yeah, I mean, I jumped on earlier and I don't think there's uh, or there's just basically single seats available Amazing. all over the place. So, you Amazing. know, it's looking good for a nice packed house for grand final. Hopefully the, the Vixens are there maybe. Oh, gee, the Vixens will be disappointed if they're not there. If we <laughs> see an Adelaide Thunderbirds versus West Coast Fever grand final, that would be tough mm. for Victorian netball fans to stomach, but could yeah. well be on the cards. It's now time. I'm sorry, Aaron. I mean, I, I could have left this off the rundown. I mean, I could have accidentally, but I didn't. Last week, your prediction was that by the end of the round, every team in the top four would end up in a different ladder position and the bottom four would stay where they started at the round, which I thought was quite an interesting thing to keep an eye on over the round. And what can I say? <laughs> the top four stayed exactly the same. And the bottom four all switched around. Yeah, so you could say that I was completely wrong on this one, right. but I think you misheard me oh, and what okay. I said. 
Okay. Was that the top four would stay the same and the right. bottom four would shift around. Sorry, that's yeah. my mistake. I'll, that, I'll go back mm. and have a listen to Don't the go audio. Back. No, 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 no. Don't go back and listen to last week's podcast. Oh, I'm very uh, sorry. Just trust me on this. I'm very sorry. What are you going to do this round? What's your shot mm. in the dark? Well, we talked about penalties earlier mm-hmm. uh, and something that caught my eye as we were doing that is the matchup between the Fever and the Lightning this uh, week where we've got the Fever who have got the third lowest penalties per game. Uh, coming off a big penalty game yep. where they might focus on yep. minimizing those, yep. playing the Lightning, who are the least penalized team this year. Mm-hmm. And if we actually look at the two lowest total penalized full games this year, right. that was in, they've been in round eight between right. the Swifts and the Lightning. Yep. And then the second lowest was ah. between the Firebirds and Fever in round 10. Hmm. Uh, and so they were 86 and 87 penalties respectively. So yep. With perhaps the Fever's focus on reducing penalties this week, going up against the lowest penalised team overall in the Lightning, I guess I'm expecting a low penalty game. Maybe the lowest for the year, but I know my outlandish predictions never go that well. (laughs) So let's say, you know, at least less than 100 total penalties, which would probably put it in the top 10 for least penalised games this season. Okay. Well, so a clean AF game. That's what you're Mm. predicting, basically. Let's go with that. Okay. Well, that's a wrap for our latest episode. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, where our handle is always at RealVFeel. And send us your Fox Answers the Fans questions using the hashtag RealVFeel. All-in-One Property is a dedicated property service provider. It's a one-stop shop for when you're buying a home, helping you handle the conveyancing, finance, insurance, and property law paperwork, reducing stress and saving time. Use all the services or just some. Visit allinoneprop.com to find out more.